0: us to think, uh, keep this in mind and be thinking about this as we walk through Hebrews 12 because it in a manner frames the believer like they are on a journey trying to carefully navigate through their lives while staying faithful to God. This scripture also explained to us why this journey of faith is so much more important than any other task or goal we could set in our minds or uh, or we could have in our lives. It also explains how Jesus has an integral role as the trailblazer of this journey that we take. And so to start off, I'm going to read Hebrews uh, chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So, this, this uh, section of text starts us off with the author bringing us into this terminology that shows us we have a journey to finish, a goal to reach, a race to complete. But the text right away makes it clear that this journey is tough. And to be successful in it, uh, and, to, uh, and to pass these, uh, sorry, how did I write this? <laughs> But uh, to be successful in it, we have to be able to navigate past these sinful aspects of ourselves, right? We have stuff that we bring along that we need to shed, and there's various sins that we need to avoid as we navigate through this journey in order to do it properly. And there's also talk of this cloud of witnesses and the, the races marked out, and that Jesus is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, And what this means is that there were witnesses of the faith that went through this journey before us and can show us how to do it successfully. But there is one ultimate example of a person who navigated this journey of a life in faith perfectly. And that is Jesus Christ. He was the pioneer or trailblazer that perfectly navigated this journey before us and marked the path for us so that we could follow. We have a journey ahead that can be treacherous because of the sin we bring along that weighs us down or the sin that is waiting to snare us. But we have the perfect example in Jesus of how to take on this journey in a successful and faithful way. It says that Jesus, and so moving on, it says that Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And just if you don't know, the cross was a form of capital punishment reserved for the lowest of the low, for slaves and criminals. And part of it was that it involved torture, but also public humiliation. And Jesus endured brutal physical pain, but what I want us to take a moment uh, to focus on is the humiliation he endured. We sometimes downplay this part. But well, let's, just, let's just take a minute to look at that. He was, uh, during his crucifixion, he was at the center of a crowd of people that were opposed to him. His friends abandoned him and denied him. He was called down, spat, spit on in front of crowds that cheered as it happened. He had a fake crown put on his head and was mocked and called a fake king. He was stripped of robes and hung on the cross where many could see him. And while up there, guards right in front of him gambled for his robes, it was public, shameful humiliation at its finest. And I want us to just take a moment now to think of a time where we felt ashamed or humiliated in our lives. These are often big uh, mental points that we dwell on, things we say, uh, things we we wish we could take back, or we end up taking so much of our time to try and cover up. Shame is heavy and brutal, and it's something we naturally hate and avoid. But in the text, it says, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its Shame, the shame of the cross was insignificant to Jesus compared to the joy set before him because the end result was Jesus sitting at the right hand of God. Jesus scorned the very thing that was made to scorn him in the face of the joy ahead. And verse 3 says, consider him who endured such opposition, part of which was shaming, right? From sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And so when we feel weary or bogged down, when we feel ashamed of our faith and like stepping away from it, when we feel like stepping off the trail that Jesus set for us, remember the steps that Jesus took before you. Right. What does John 3.16 say? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. When we feel like we can't continue our journey, remember that Jesus walked this same journey of faith before you because of his great love for you so that you could follow in his footsteps and receive eternity with him. Jesus trailblazed a path for us to eternity with him. Our next portion of Hebrews 12 is verse four to 13. And it reads, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood and you have forgotten the words of encouragement that address you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirit and live? Our Father disciplined us for a little while as uh, our human fathers disciplined us for a while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. And we're shown in this text that the original here is in a present struggle against sin. And that they were told to reflect on uh, an aspect of God's discipline as encouragement. Which begs the question, how is discipline encouragement? Well, in this case, it says that this discipline showed them uh, the, their legitimacy as God's children. It was encouraging to be reminded uh, uh, the, and knowing that Sorry, and know that they were God's children. And a part of being God's child is receiving his discipline. And this uh, lends us to think of the mentality about God. How do we treat an earthly parent when they discipline us? Right? There's usually an aspect of respect, often very begrudging begrudgingly, right? But for the parent, that comes, uh, the respect does come after it. And in the passage, it makes it clear that there should be a further respect and obedience to our God because of his discipline that is so much greater than what we would have from a human parent. See, for, uh, uh, for parents, you can Sorry, so for the parents here, you can imagine the amount of times that you've messed up parenting. I know I have, right? And this is another aspect of how God's discipline is different. We can completely trust that God's discipline is for our good as his children. It's so that we can be close to him and share in his holiness So as for the discipline itself, there's a lot of language in the Bible that talks about looking at the difficulties believers encounter in our lives as training and moral development so God can redeem the pain we experience in our lives, using it for good. God is never the source of evil, but can turn evil inside out, utilizing it for his great purposes. And the ultimate example of this was Jesus on the cross. Again, right? The evil of the sinful intention of man was being used for the greater purpose of the redemption of mankind. So we find ourselves looking again to Jesus and see that he trailblazed the path of true sonship to God by acting obediently to him through enduring the hardships that he was asked to in his life. In Hebrews 5.8 that we read previously, it says, son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. The next portion of scripture is verses 14 to 17. And they read, make every effort to live in peace with all men. And to be holy, with holiness, uh, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or that God or is godless like Esau or for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the older son afterwards, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. He could bring about no change of mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. You have not come. Oh, sorry, I'll pause there. (laughs) And so, 14 to 17... Let's keep that in our minds, but in the previous section of 4.13 that we just went through, it said that God disciplines us as his children because he loves us. It's a hopeful message, and in this we are told that as children there will be an inheritance, sharing in God's holiness, being with him for eternity. Now we come back to what we just read, this inheritance is something that should be treated as a prized possession, that it really is. See, in this story, in the text of Esau, he trades the familial inheritance of the eldest son in his story for instant and temporary gratification. See, after Esau wishes he could have his inheritance back, But in the circumstance, he reaches a point of no return where there was no way to get it back again. And we need to heed this warning and not give away our faith for a foolish or small reason. We need to cling to it like the precious gift that it is. We don't want to die without us. That's us reaching our point of no return. And then in that, not receive the inheritance promised with no way to get it back. And an incredible part of this text is that in our understanding of our own inheritance, we are asked to be making sure that no bitter root shows up among us. And this means that we are keeping an eye out and seeking out those who we feel and can see stepping away from their relationship with Christ that are stepping off the trail and giving away their inheritance. As a community of believers that know their inheritance, we should seek to do uh, what we can to help bring peace to the circumstance of those about to give it away. And we do this by helping bringing them back onto the trail that Jesus made and navigated for them. So our next portion is verses 18 to 24. And they read, You have not come to a mountain that can be touched, and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those heard it and begged, no further word be spoken to them, because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touched the mountain, it needed to be stoned. And this sight was so terrifying that Moses said, "'I am trembling with fear, "'but you have come to Mount Zion, "'to the heavenly Jerusalem, "'the city of the living God. "'You have come, to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven, you have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we? If we turn away from him who warns us from heaven. At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the, rem- uh, the removing of what can be shaken. That is created things so that they cannot be shaken, uh, so, that, so what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. In this, I'm going to just read a a, a, a small portion again. Verse 18, it says, you have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further words be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. Even if an animal touches this mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. This first mountain is referring to Mount Sinai when the Israelites interacted with it in their wandering of the desert. But just look at the atmosphere of it. Everything about it screams unapproachability. There was separation, and it was separation that was our fault in our unholiness. Because we sinned, we could not approach God. But listen closely to this analogy of the second mountain. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirit of righteous men made perfect, To Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood of that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. This second mountain is incredibly welcoming. It's joyous and celebrative. Theologians describe it as a festive atmosphere. It's a place you want to be. It's a place that you want to end. Your journey. What is waiting for a person in relationship with God is a loving, approachable, awe-inspiring experience of God made possible by Jesus. It says that Moses was the terrified and imperfect mediator of this First mountain representing the first covenant. And Jesus is the perfect mediator of the second mountain. In verse 24, it says, Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. And Abel was a biblical character that was killed by his brothers, and his blood was the evidence of a sin a murderous sin taking place, whereas Jesus' blood, what brought about the new covenant, is evidence of death being beaten. Jesus blazed the trail for us to this mountain through his perfect life, death, and resurrection. Jesus made it possible for us to enter into eternity with God where there is joy and excitement and festivity. Jesus is the greatest trailblazer of all time. So, Jesus trailblazed a path for us to eternity with him. Jesus trailblazed the path of true sonship to God by acting in obedience to him in all circumstances. We help others that uh, may be giving up their inheritance by bringing them back onto the path that Jesus trailblazed before them. Jesus Blaze the trail for us to the mountain of Zion through his perfect life, his death, and his resurrection. Jesus truly is the greatest trailblazer of all time. Let's pray together, to close, just contemplate the reality of that. Lord, God, Jesus, you are incredible. You're loving and powerful and immense. And an encounter with you, God, in this time of a new covenant made possible by Jesus, an encounter with you is joyous. Lord, there's it's just this incredible connection we're able to have with you, this intimacy we're able to have with you. And when we are struggling in life, Lord, you set a path for us that you've marked out for us. And though sin may try and snare us and our own burdens pull us back, God, you show us how to navigate that path. Because Lord, you sent your son to die on a cross for a sin as the ultimate trailblazer, as the ultimate man to go ahead of us and show us how to navigate through our lives. And I just pray we go through this next week enjoying the reality and truth of that and following the trail you've set for us. Amen.